At approximately 8.30 p.m. on June 18, 2023, 45-year-old Hardeep Singh Nijar exited the Guru Nanak Gudwara, a Sikh temple in the Canadian city of Surrey, British Columbia. Two minutes later, he was dead. As Nijar entered his pickup truck in the parking lot, he was ambushed and shot several times by two masked gunmen before dying at the scene. Nijar, who had emigrated to Canada from the Indian state of Punjab in 2007, was a prominent member of the Khalistan movement, which supports the establishment of a Sikh national homeland independent from India in Punjab. Nijar was a controversial figure in both India and Canada. Among supporters of the Khalistan movement, Nijar was known for his work with Sikhs for Justice, a nonviolent organization that advocates for the human rights of Sikhs and supports the independence of Khalistan through political mobilization. But according to the Indian government, Nijar was a terrorist affiliated with the Khalistan Tiger Force, a violent militant group that has targeted soldiers and civilians alike. Since Nijar was killed, political relations between Canada and India have hit an all-time low point. During the G20 summit in New Delhi in early September of 2023, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi had a tense meeting in which Trudeau stated that the Canadian government was investigating India's involvement in the assassination. Roughly a week later, Trudeau firmly accused the Indian government of being involved in the killing. Although no evidence has been released supporting this theory, Canada expelled Indian intelligence officer Pavan Kumar Rai that night. The next day, Canadian diplomat Olivier Silvestre was expelled from Canada's intelligence headquarters in India. The assassination of Nijar and the ensuing diplomatic fallout between Canada and India did not occur in a vacuum. On the contrary, it is part of a long-standing Canadian connection to the Khalistan issue as well as a massive trend of Indian immigration to Canada. Approximately 1,800,000 people, or just over 5% of the population of Canada, identify as Indian-Canadian. Similarly to Indian-American immigrants, as discussed in the Historia Obscura episode about Bhagat Singh Dind, immigrants to Canada from India have generally been motivated by pull factors, such as better employment and educational opportunities in Canada. But in contrast to the United States, Indian-Canadian immigration is also helped by ease of migration, as both India and Canada retain strong ties to the British Commonwealth. And just like in India, the divide between Sikhs and Hindus is certainly present. Sikhism is the plurality religion among Indian Canadians, with roughly 34% identifying as Sikh. Hindus, meanwhile, make up 27% of the Indian Canadian population. Another 17% identify as Muslim, 16% as Christian, and 6% adhere to other religions or are irreligious. The divide between different religious groups can also be seen in languages spoken by Indian Canadians. Punjabi is the fifth most common mother tongue in Canada, with almost 2.1% of all Canadians speaking it. This is overwhelmingly linked to the Sikh community, as most Sikh Canadians have families hailing from Punjab. 
Hindustani, which is overwhelmingly spoken by Hindus and Muslims, is much less common, with approximately 1.4% of Canadians speaking Hindustani as their mother tongue. Although the Vancouver metropolitan area has an overwhelmingly Sikh Indian-Canadian population, Sikhs and Hindus congregate together in Ontario cities such as Brampton, Scarborough, Markham, Etobicoke, and Mississauga. Just as Sikhism and Hinduism have influenced Canadian society, so too has the Khalistan issue. In particular, one attack by Khalistani separatists had an insurmountable and extremely deadly impact on the Indian-Canadian community. I'm going to tell you all about it, right now, on Historia Obscura. Welcome to Historia Obscura. This is the 98th episode of this podcast, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Special thank you to Patreon subscribers Barbara, Cameron Sherman, Scott Sherman, David Kahn, Lisa Chase, and Tom. If you want to receive a shout-out in every episode, among other benefits, help support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash historia obscura and becoming a patron. One more thing. Make sure to stick around for a little to hear a message about the sponsor of this episode of Historia Obscura, Spotify for Podcasters. If you want to make your own podcast, you'll want to know everything about how to use Spotify for Podcasters. the 1970s, the largest mass migration of Sikhs to Canada from India took place, turning Metro Vancouver into the area with the highest concentration of Sikhs outside of India. One man in this group was Talwinder Singh Parmar, who emigrated to British Columbia and became a naturalized Canadian citizen in May of 1970. With the advent of a massive Sikh diaspora came more financial and ideological support for the Khalistan movement. Parmar, a Sikh nationalist, spent almost a decade forming connections with Sikh organizations in Canada before co-founding Babar Khalsa, a Sikh militant organization, in April of 1978. Parmar's co-founder, Sukhdev Babar, was to lead Babar Khalsa's operations in India and to a lesser extent Pakistan, while Parmar would lead Babar Khalsa's North American wing in Sikh population hubs such as the Canadian provinces of British Columbia and Ontario, as well as the American states of California, Washington, and New Jersey. Parmar returned to India temporarily in 1981, allegedly being involved in the murder of two police officers in Punjab, for which he was arrested in West Germany in 1983. However, as Parmar was a Canadian citizen, he was deported back to Canada, and the Canadian government refused to extradite him to India. In June of 1984, the Khalistan conflict reached ahead when India decided to take out Sikh clergyman and militant Jarnel Singh Bindranwale at his headquarters at the Golden Temple, the holiest site to Sikhs. With the intelligent support of the United Kingdom, the Soviet Union, and Israel, the Indian military carried out Operation Blue Star, besieging the temple in Punjab and killing Bindranwale after 10 days. 
As many as 10,000 civilians were killed in the raid, drawing criticism and backlash from Sikhs both within India and abroad. In October of 1984, Indian Prime Minister Indira Gandhi was assassinated by two of her Sikh bodyguards in an act of revenge. The next four days saw cataclysmic anti-Sikh rioting in India, which took the lives of 17,000 Sikh civilians and threw the Khalistan movement, including Babar Khalsa, into disarray. In the aftermath of Operation Blue Star and the 1984 anti-Sikh riots, Babar Khalsa regrouped and returned with a vengeance. As the leader of Babar Khalsa's North American operations, Talwinder Singh Parmar began assembling a team of Sikh nationalists in British Columbia to make a violent statement to the Indian government. The targets for Babar Khalsa's planned attack were Air India Flight 182, which ran from Montreal to London to Delhi to Mumbai, and Air India Flight 301, which ran from Vancouver to Tokyo to Bangkok. Parmar first ventured to the small town of Duncan on Vancouver Island to meet Inderjeet Singh Rayat, an electrician and auto mechanic. Rayat began collecting dynamite, repeatedly asking locals how much it would take to blow up a tree stump and offering to pay three times the market price for dynamite. Next, Parmar went for the hearts and minds of North American Sikhs, teaming up with Ajayib Singh Bagri, a forklift driver from the British Columbia city of Kamloops. Parmar and Bagri went on a tour across Canada and the United States, soliciting donations from Sikh temples and community groups. This tour culminated in a massive gathering at Madison Square Garden in New York City, where Bagri told a crowd, quote, until we kill 50,000 Hindus, we will not rest. Vancouver businessman Riputaman Singh Malik also allegedly provided financial support to Babar Khalsa. Parmar reportedly approached Jerry Baudreau, a career criminal from Calgary, offering him $200,000 to plant a bomb on a plane. Wanting to keep his nose clean, Baudreau informed the Royal Canadian Mounted Police that Parmar was planning to bomb an airliner. Although informants were sent to meet with Parmar, the Mounties concluded that there wasn't enough credible evidence of the plot. But this was not true. By June of 1985, Rayat had finished constructing a bomb and began testing it in the woodlands of British Columbia. Once Parmar gave the go-ahead, a turban-wearing man purchased two Air India tickets with $3,000 in cash. This man is believed to have been Hardial Singh Johal, a high school janitor from Vancouver who allegedly stored the two suitcases containing bombs in the basement of his school. In the early afternoon of June 22, 1985, the man believed to be Hardial Singh Johal checked a suitcase at Vancouver International Airport for Air India 301 to Bangkok by way of Tokyo. However, the suspect never boarded the plane. Later that night, Inderjeet Singh Rayat arrived at Montreal Mirabel International Airport after flying from Vancouver by way of Toronto. 
he checked the other suitcase for Air India 182 to Mumbai by way of London and Delhi, but also did not board the plane. The passengers on this flight were overwhelmingly Canadian Hindus of Indian descent from southern Ontario, with some British citizens as well, while all of the crew members were Indian citizens. Air India 301 arrived at Tokyo Narita International Airport on the afternoon of June 23rd, where it became clear that Rayat had made a massive mistake. See, since he failed to account for the fact that Japan does not observe daylight saving time, he set the bomb's timer for an hour earlier than he wanted it to go off. This suitcase exploded in a baggage handling room at Narita, killing Japanese airport employees Hideo Asano and Hideharu Koda. Less than one hour later, just after 8 a.m. Irish Standard Time, the bomb in the cargo hold of Air India 182 exploded 30,000 feet over the North Atlantic Ocean. The aircraft experienced explosive decompression, causing it to break apart in midair. The debris from this plane settled approximately 120 miles off the coast of Ireland. No mayday call was sent out, and Air India 182 simply vanished from the flight radar. Air India 182 became the first Boeing 747 jumbo jet in history to be downed by an onboard bomb. Two hours after the bombing, an American cargo ship passed by floating debris and human remains, giving the first confirmation that the flight had been downed. The Irish Naval Service was deployed to recover any bodies. 132 were ultimately found. All 329 passengers and crew members on board were killed, which made Air India 182 the deadliest act of aviation terrorism prior to 9-11. Tracking down and prosecuting the conspirators in the bombing of Air India 182 was a daunting task. The mastermind, Talwinder Singh Parmar fled Vancouver for Pakistan immediately after the bombing. He continued his militant leadership of Babar Khalsa until October of 1992, when he was killed in a shootout with Indian police in Punjab at the age of 48. The bomb maker, Inderjeet Singh Rayat, initially escaped murder charges due to a lack of evidence, instead pleading guilty to possession of explosives and receiving a $2,000 fine. He then moved with his family to Coventry, England. In 1988, after an investigation of the Tokyo bomb found a link between the Sanyo alarm clock used as a timer and an earlier purchase made by Rayat, he was arrested by British police and deported to Canada. In May of 1991, he was convicted of two counts of manslaughter for the Tokyo bombing and sentenced to 10 years in prison. In 2001, he was charged with murder for the Air India 182 bombing, but he was only convicted of manslaughter as the jury found that he could not have known whether or not the bomb was going to be used to blow up a passenger plane. After serving another five years, Rayat was arrested again in 2006, this time for perjury committed during the murder trial. According to new evidence, Rayat had lied under oath about his connection to the conspiracy. He was convicted and sentenced to nine years, the longest sentence for perjury ever given in Canadian history. Since his release on parole in 2016, Rayat has been a free man living in Duncan, British Columbia. The propagandist, Ajaib Singh Bagri, 
and the financier, Raputaman Singh Malik, were charged in connection with the bombings, but both were acquitted in 2005. Bagri still lives in Kamloops, British Columbia, while Malik was shot to death in Surrey, British Columbia under suspicious circumstances in 2022. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police has since been lambasted for its inability to prevent the bombings, especially by ignoring the warning of Jerry Baudreau. In addition, the Air India 182 bombing was significant in that it marked the climax of the Khalistan conflict in Canada, a crisis that is still playing out today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Historia Obscura. I really enjoyed writing it. If you want to suggest an episode of Historia Obscura, send me a voice message at podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash Historia Obscura slash message. Feel free to leave your name and location, and if I like your idea, I'll make an episode of it and give you credit. Additionally, if you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash Historia Obscura and become a patron. And of course... I can't go without once again thanking this episode's sponsor, Spotify for Podcasters. They are by far the easiest way to make a podcast, so if you want to make your own, go to spotify.com slash podcasters. With that said, this is Jack from Historia Obscura, signing off, but not for long. <laughs>